What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blogging Theology. Today, I am delighted to talk to Sheikh Justin Parrott. You are most welcome, sir. Salam alaikum. Thank you for having me. Welcome, salam. Now, Justin, who also goes goes by the name of Abu Amina Ilyas, is currently research librarian for Middle East Studies at New York University in Abu Dhabi, where he is at the moment. Uh, and also research fellow for the Yakin Institute for Islamic Research. Justin uh, embraced Islam in 2004 at the age of 20, so you can work out how old he is. Um, he studied Islam from a traditional perspective with local scholars and imams. Now, the idea of divine providence, also known as the divine decree or predestination, the idea that everything has already been decreed by the creator from all eternity, is a key belief in Islam. And many people, I think, are perplexed by it, including myself. How do we go about reconciling the two apparently contradictory facts that Allah has absolute power and sovereignty over all creation and that at the same time we are responsible for our actions? Are we forced to do what we do or are our moral choices meaningful and free? So today, Justin has kindly agreed to discuss this fascinating subject. So thank you, sir. Now over to you. Sure. Thank you. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala muhammadin wa ala ahihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. So the concept of qadr in Islam, or I like to translate it as divine providence, um, and there's actually two terms, al-qadah wa al-qadr. Uh, the first qada means uh, to decree in the sense of to execute a command. Um, and qadr is uh, also decree, but in the sense of to have ability and to have, to have measured something. Because um, <clears throat> the word is used in those uh, respects. So, uh, but for shorthand, we call it qadr. And qadr is one of the six articles of faith 
or Articles of Iman, and this is from the famous Hadith of Jibril, the angel Gabriel, upon him be peace. He, he came to the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, uh, and he asked him various questions. And one of the questions he asked him is, what is Iman? And the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, and tu'mina billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rasulihi wa yawmil akhir wa an tu'mina bil qadari khayrihi wa sharri. So he, uh, the, the messenger of Allah, peace and blessing be upon him, said, faith is to believe in Allah, his angels, his messengers, his books, and the last day, meaning the day of judgment. And then he said, an tu'mina bil qadari khayrihi wa sharri. And that you have faith in qadr the good of it and the harm of it. Mm. So he re-emphasized the fact that this is an article of faith. So he didn't just say the whole uh, sentence uh, as one, but he re-emphasized the fact that this is something that we have to have faith in. Uh, And there are other traditions that express the importance of this um, as an article of faith, Um, even though it is already included in our belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his rububiyyah or his lordship or his his, uh, exclusive ability to create and to command. uh, Qadr is a part of that. So we already believe in that as an aspect of tawheed al-rububiyyah or the oneness of Allah's lordship. But the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he re-emphasized the fact that this is a specific article of faith that we have to focus on. And if you see how this, uh, and stop me at any point if you want to interject and ask questions. Thank you. But if you if you see how the concept of free will or the concept of uh, determinism and predestination and these concepts have uh, been explored by various sects in Islam and without outside of Islam, you'll you'll see that it has really important implications for your behavior. So. Mm-hmm. If you believe that all of your actions are predetermined and you're, you don't have any free will, then it's really hard to uh, justify a concept of sin and injustice. Yeah. And at the same time, if you don't believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control and that you are outside of his will, um, then, then you know, it weakens your, your uh, desire and your desire to submit to his will, meaning his uh, the will of his command, right? His, his commands that he has for us. And uh, as I cited in the paper, it's actually, this concept is even uh, talked about today uh, in, in various fields in mathematics and philosophy, psychology, social science. They talk about the concept of free will and does it really exist? Um, I, I think even Elon Musk has opined about it. Oh, really? Um, so <laughs> on Twitter, probably. Yeah, I, I think so because it's part of a, um, uh, the discussion about artificial artificial intelligence. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Intelligence. um, And, uh, you know, can a human being be programmed like a computer? And if that's true, then do humans really have free will at all? You know, if we can just get into somebody's mind and hack them, then, you know, there's no free will. And so there was a I think an Israeli philosopher who said something like this. Uh, but anyway, anyway. So I just, just so want to, so I just want to yeah. point out, folks, that um, for the reviewers, that the article you just referred to is entitled Reconciling the Divine Decree and Free Will in Islam. And I'll link to it in the description below. Um, it's well worth reading. It's actually a very interesting read, very well written, I think. And so if you want more background Thank details, you. the footnotes and recommended reading, it's all in that article. I do recommend you read it. So thank you. Back to you, Justin. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. Um, so the concept is really important, and it's a concept that we have to get correct. Um, and that the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, wanted to make sure that we got correct. Hmm. And if you, you see how it played out in Islam, uh, Islamic history, there were basically two heresies that kind of split off from the, the main group of Muslims. So the first was called the Jabriya, and it's from uh, one of Allah's names, Al-Jabbar, or the compeller, the one who is able to compel whoever he wills. Hmm. Um, they believed in determinism and that we have no free will. And um, they believed this because they, they said, well, Allah, um, Allah decrees evil, you know, he allows people to commit evil actions and therefore he is pleased with it. So he must be compelling all of our actions. And so that was their line of thinking. And so that was one way they went off the path. And then the other group was called the Qadariya. Um, and they believed in absolute free will. So they said, there's all of these evil things in the world and Allah is not pleased with them. Therefore, uh, Allah is not in control of those things. And so they went off the path in the other way. Um, and these are not necessarily two groups. They're, it's two types of heresy that right. appeared. Um, so uh, yeah, so the, the reason that they were confused is because they didn't um, one of the reasons is that they didn't um, understand that there's two aspects to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So 
The will of Allah has two aspects. The first is called iradat, uh, iradat kawniyah, which is the universal will. So that's everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows to exist, the good of it and, and the harm of it. This is like what the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said. We believe in qadr, khayrihi wa sharri, the good of it and the evil of it. Um, <clears throat> uh, and then there's the, um, the religious will or the, the legislative will or the will of command. Yuradat amriya shari'iya diniya. Um, and this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed it, uh, as good and has commanded us to do that. Hmm. So if you understand that when uh, the, the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah and in various aspects, um, it, it, it takes one or two, one of these two meanings, right? So understanding that point um, is really important. And I remember when I was a young Muslim, uh, and I first learned that point. I thought that was a good, uh, that was really insightful. And I saw a lot of people get tripped up because they're not able to yeah. understand that when we're talking about the will of Allah or the will of God, you you're, can mean one of two things, either everything that God allows to exist or right. what God actually wants you to do. Right. And then another another important point, though, is that we don't want to attribute uh, we don't attribute evil to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala uh, because nothing that Allah decrees is evil in itself because Allah is good. The human beings are the source of evil, and because we have free will, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala gave us this free will. Uh, the evil comes from the choices of human beings, mm. and then the harms that come from natural disasters and those things. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala decrees those. Uh, because this life is a test for us, um, and this life isn't the the whole of the story. There is a hereafter, and everything will get wrapped up and completed, and everything will be made just in the hereafter. Uh, but right now, there is injustice in this world, and that's because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is testing us uh, to see that's which a, one of us. That's a really key. Yeah. Yeah, a really key point. I think that, that for those who only look at this world, this dunya, and see the injustices, and leading them to disbelieve perhaps because they don't have this larger perspective of the existence of God and the hereafter, the akira, which is where presumably we'll spend ninety nine point nine nine percent of our you know of our existence so the whole perspective is skewed and and leads to can believe lead to unbelief but the islamic perspective and, and it is found in some other religions as well in, in some forms of christianity and judaism as well it is obviously much more complete and answers this once you get this all-in perspective which is lost in those who uh, are disillusioned and disbelief they don't raise their vision to the the greater realities of god and the akira correct and this is a lot. This is a I, idea that trips up a lot of atheists because they don't think about the hereafter. Um, and you know, they. I remember I was watching uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. You know, the, the physicist, the famous physicist, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And yes. celebrity atheist. And so yeah, in he had a video, and I was thinking it was like it was his debunking of uh, uh, of theism. You know, oh. this is big big shot debunking of theism. And then his opening argument was that. Uh, there were some Catholic people who were praying in a church in Scotland in the 1500s and it collapsed and a bunch of people died. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> and he thought, how could God allow this to happen to his worshipers? And like, this is theological jahiliya. This is just ignorance on his part. And I mean, those, those, uh, those arguments have already been made. Um, but also on this concept of evil not being attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's important to recognize that uh, one of Allah's names is Al-Hakim, which is the most wise. So everything that Allah decrees is good for the believer. This is uh, something the Messenger of Allah said. So if we experience adversity, we are patient, and then Allah rewards us for that. And if we experience prosperity, we are grateful, and Allah rewards us for that. So um, everything that happens to the believer is good. And then, you know, and there are many times in your own life, uh, and I've experienced this, and I'm sure if you, if anyone is reflecting on their life, they will experience this too, where there's bad things happen to us. Uh, you know, we lost a job or we, you know, we experienced some loss and disappointment and things like that. And it turns out that it was, uh, it was good for us in the, in the end. Right. Hmm. So we are only looking at the immediate effects of things and we're not seeing how they might play out later in life or how they might play out in uh, the hereafter. And I think the story of Yusuf salam, is a very good, in that regard, because, you know, he was very young, he was betrayed, he was thrown into the well, he was sold off into slavery, and it was just terrible thing that happened to him. Uh, and it didn't take until, you know, it took until near the end of his life when everything got restored, right? And then it all came into fruition. And then we have this beautiful story, he forgave his brothers and, and so on. Um, so that's, that's the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we can't uh, forget that point. Um, and then, you know, why do trials happen? Why do bad things happen to believers? Um, and I actually wrote another paper for Yaqeen uh, about when our worlds are shaken, I think it was the title. Uh, and this was at the beginning of, the, of COVID when this is happening and everyone was scared. Um, but the, the word for one of the words for trial in Arabic is fitna. And it can have several kind of shades of meaning. Uh, but it comes from fetana, uh, and that is what it means is to try by fire, right. and it's actually a an um, an iron working or a metal working term. 
So the, you know, the, the blacksmiths, you know, they would take like a chunk of rock and has some mineral deposits in it. They would burn it in a furnace and then the rock would melt away. And then what they're left with is the gold and the iron and, and the silver and whatever they're looking for. Um, and so we need to think about trials like that. So, you know, bad things happen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees bad things to happen. And those are a test for us. Uh, but if we're patient and we're faithful and we move through those things, it actually brings out the best in us. Hmm. And you can see this happening in all kinds of areas in life. You know, um, bad things happen to people, but then it brings out the best in them. Um, so it makes I'll, them stronger. I'll, I'll... Sorry, on that on that point, coming back to the example that that American um, scientists uh, that you mentioned before. So we we got a yeah. centuries ago. We have a bunch of Catholic priests or nuns. I forget what you said in a in a church in UK Scotland, uh, and there was a catastrophe and it was destroyed. How would how would you uh, begin an explanation in terms of the pushback on that? In terms of the atheist claim that this points to uh, a world without God. Sure. Um, well, we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-Hakim. He is the most wise. And that can be inferred from the fact that he created all of this creation and it has purpose and design and things. And so those are uh, signs that point to his wisdom. So even just not even from revelation, just from our own minds, we can know that um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is wise. Yeah. Um, but we don't know that the... Uh, uh, the status of those individuals, you know, I'm sure there were probably some of them who were good believing people with respect to the knowledge that they had and they were sincere and, you know, maybe they died and now they're in paradise. And so it was good for them. And maybe some of those people were hypocrites and evil people and sinners and not repentant. And then they died. And then, you know, that was their punishment. Um, maybe some people survived that and then they had changes of heart and then they, went on to become a good person again. Right. So there's a lot of scenarios uh, where, you know, good may have come out of that. Um, and, and, and for the most part, those are part of the unseen. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that. And only he knows what's going to happen in the hereafter to those people. Uh, but what we know from revelation and what, and what conforms to our minds is that, um, you know, we, we, we can imagine many scenarios when that was good for those people and that there were, bad people probably there's probably bad people among them uh who got you know eventually got the punishment that they deserve right so um, the atheist is, is is wrong in this sense because he is his li limited radically limited uh the options available the realities the unseen as you as you as you put it that were in operation at that time the un the unseen dimensions of existence so in a sense they've assumed the conclusion in their premise when they get shocked by these events but because they've not they're not aware of these unseen dimensions of the justice and the paradise and the hellfire and the, the wisdom the hikmah of god in creating this universe and the purpose of our existence in the universe so all of these factors are taken away and you're left with this narrowly conceived suffering in this church and then he says oh no how can there be a how can god exist in that reality having already dismissed all these other realities in the process so it's a yeah, yeah. Uh, that's an interesting response alhamdulillah good um and so this is the problem of evil this is a classic theological problem the the english term is theodicy so, um, and, you know, we have our explanations in Islam and I went over the broad outline of that. Um, mm -hmm. But if you did want to learn more, um, 
you can, uh, there is a book translated into English by the Islamic Text Society. Um, I, and I believe the title is Ibn al-Qayyim on the Divine Wisdom of Evil. Ah, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. It was a very good publisher and I, I have all their books. Uh, and yes, exactly. It's the book. Yeah. Have to have it to hand, um, which I haven't read yet. Yeah. Actually. I bought it, but I haven't actually got my hand around to it. But thanks for the reminder. Yeah, it's an excellent book. So, um, you know, he, he goes over many, many points. You know, uh, he begins with uh, the fall of Adam السلام, and he was expelled from the garden. Um, and then you know, all of the good that came out of that, you know. So so we have a really well-developed theodicy um, in Islam. And, you know, when, when atheists bring up the problem of evil, uh, I think they are just ignorant of this whole branch of theology. And, you know, theologians have been talking about this for hundreds of years, centuries, probably longer. Um, and that's a whole discussion. So, and, and, and this is just as a side point, this is, I've noticed a lot of uh, in, in atheist attacks and, you know, atheist polemical literature, like Sam Harris's book, for example, that they just don't even engage the discussion whatsoever. They just, yeah, I've noticed that people like Richard Dawkins and others, that their theological literacy is virtually zero. You know, I, I wouldn't mind that them objecting so much if they were actually engaging with the issues, because at least then, well, here we have some meaty responses, but they don't. And, and that's, uh, that's the shocking thing about atheism. They do not take any of the responses uh, seriously. They appear to be unaware of them. And, and ignorance in any subject of life is reprehensible if it's done, you know, if, you, if, if there's no excuse. And there's no excuse for people like Dawkins who regularly uh, bash Christians and others um, and they get their responses and they still ignore them all. Um, so it's a really peculiar situation. Many of these atheists find themselves in, I think. Yeah. So the, the uh, academic reviews of Sam Harris's book, <laughs> uh, where he, he tries to justify ethics from science, which cannot be done very easily. Uh, you know, there's academics that tore that book apart. So uh, just kind of referring to those types of things. Um, so uh, go, getting back to the article. Mm. Uh, so I talked about, so I mentioned in the beginning, you know, we have this term Al-Qadr. And so there are, those are two words, and it's very common in um, Islamic theological language that when you have two words that are contrasted like this, they have two different nuances of meaning. So, for example, in the Hadith of Jibreel, السلام, I talked about earlier, uh, he talks about Islam, uh, Iman, and Ihsan. So those are all three terms for faith, um, but when they're contrasted together, they have a more nuanced meaning. So if you're talking about Islam, you're talking about the outward deeds. If you're talking about Iman, you're talking about the beliefs, the inner beliefs that we have. And if you're talking about Ihsan, you're talking about this mindfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this having this pure heart and awareness of him and worshiping him as if you see him. But if you mention any, any of them by themselves, uh, they have the, the whole complete meaning, which is just the faith of Islam. So we have two terms like this. We have al-qada or al-qadr. And so, you know, when there's two, you know, there's a nuanced meaning that is to be pulled out from those. And uh, scholars had different opinions, but I chose the one uh, of Ibn Hajar al-Asfalani, who was a um, classical Hadith scholar, very well known. Uh, and he basically says that qada 
is the general decree for the universe all time forever. And then you have Qadr, which is the specific decree of individuals and their details, right? So if you think about um, the imagery that we have in Islam, uh, there's Al-Loh Al-Mahfud, the preserved tablet. So this is like the tablet where God has inscribed everything that ever will be and ever could be on this tablet. That and this, is, this is described in the Quran, of course. That this reference to that is in the Quran itself. Yeah, it's mentioned explicitly in the, in the Quran. Um, so you have this like general decree that exists already, right? And that's everything. And, that, and that's representative of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's power and his ability to uh, bring into creation anything, anything he wills. And then you have specific decrees. So you and I and the people listening, and um, we have angels who are writing down what we're saying right now, angels that are writing down what we're doing. Um, and then there are things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees for us throughout the day and throughout the, you know, our years of our life and so on. And those specific things are subject to change based on how we're using free will. Mm. So, um, I, you know, I mentioned many of the texts that, uh, uh, establish the fact that we have free will. <laughs> you will not will unless Allah wills, the Lord of the worlds. So we have free will. The Quran confirms that we have free will, but it is under the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He could take it away from us. He, he could afflict us with insanity or unconsciousness or whatever, and then our free will is gone and we don't have control anymore. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us this control. And so that that is a firmly established fact. And I don't think I have to go mm. too far here to justify that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, the philosophical problem is how does your mind rationalize or understand um, uh, that everything has already been decreed and that we have some control over our lives? I mean, that's a really difficult rational problem. And one of the, and the reason that is a, a difficult rational problem is that because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists outside of the creation, he is above the creation, he is outside of time and space, and our minds are limited to this framework of time and space. So we can't think outside of time and space, but the, the, the qadr is operating outside of time and space. Right. Um, and so we're limited. And... and um, Imam al-Shafi'i, uh, may Allah have mercy on him, he's one of the four imams. He used to say that your mind has a limit just like your eyesight has a limit. Mm. So, you know, you can only see so far down, you know, however far away you can see, and your mind can only go so far, right? So it's very difficult to wrap our minds around this reality that exists on a different level of existence that we, we, we can't even conceive. So that's, that's why it's a difficult rational problem. And the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has solved that problem for us, because he communicates in a way that has to be understood easily by everybody at every level of education and in every language, um, is that he, uh, he provides us with this imagery. He provides us with parables, stories, things like that. Um, and so you'll notice that the Quran doesn't really speak very much in the language of philosophy. It speaks in stories and parables and so on and images. 
So we have this image that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has this preserved tablet, which is the decree of everything, right? And then the decrees from that proceed, and then the angels write it down as it's decreed for us. Mm-hmm. So um, now, so we have all of these texts that express the free will of human beings. And then we have another set of texts that express how these decrees change, right? Mm-hmm. And how, how we have the... the uh, we, we, we can petition Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to change our decrees. So uh, the, the, and this is mentioned in the, in the Quran, um, chapter 13, verse 39, um, Allah says that he erases or confirms whatever he wills of the book. Um, and with him is umul kitab, which is another word for the preserved tablet, which is the foundation of the book or the foundation of the decrees. So Allah erases decrees and he confirms decrees right according to his will and so you'll see there are many uh hadith that i mentioned in the paper like for example the messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said uh, that whoever wants to increase his provision and to extend his lifespan let him uphold his family ties Hmm. So a person who upholds his family ties, he uses their free will to uphold their family ties. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward that person by decreeing for them more provision and by uh, (laughs) decreeing for them more lives to live. Um, And that's a that's a a very strong hadith. It's in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Um, And uh, in another hadith, also in Bukhari and Muslim. Uh, is that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would seek refuge in the evil of the decrees, right? So if, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had decreed something bad that was going to happen with him, uh, he would seek refuge in Allah from those decrees, right? Um, and then there's another hadith uh, that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, um, your dua is actually very important, right? So he said that when you make a dua, when you're praying to Allah in this informal way, uh, you will get three answers. One is that Allah gives you what you ask for. Uh, two is that Allah keeps it for you for the hereafter when you need it. And three is that Allah will, will uh, take away something bad that was decreed for you. Right. So you have these three answers. Whenever you make a dua, you know, you're either getting what you want or you're going to get it in the hereafter or something bad is going to be taken away from you Mm -hmm. so your dua your connection to allah uh has you know gives us the ability uh or or gives us the you know allah will will decree good things for us and will decree bad things to be taken away from us based on how our relationship with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very interesting. So the, the heart of your, your response about this, uh, uh, you talk about the two apparently contradictory facts that Allah has absolute power and sovereignty. And at the same time, we are responsible for actions is that within our own limited uh, epistemology, our understanding of life, the universe and everything, we can't grasp the realities of this. It's beyond us. We are humanly limited in our capacity to uh, have insight into this. So then the corresponding virtue or, or response would be one of humility, the humility before the mystery of the divine decree and our own ability to make moral choices. So the, le- the lesson there, as I say, is, is humility before uh, what we cannot constitutionally, we're unable to uh, comprehend. There are other examples of that in, in life as well, but this seems to be a, a key a key lesson in our age, we don't like humility so much. We like to uh, be able to grasp and analyze and scientifically deconstruct things. But here before our creator, mm-hmm. 
obviously uh, a humble uh, um, uh, disposition is appropriate, it seems. Yes, exactly. Um, and that's why Imam At-Tahawi, who wrote the, one of the original creeds, um, Sunni creeds of Islam, uh, he says near the end is that the Qadr is a sir, which is a secret or a mystery of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. See, he said that, and I believe he meant it in two ways. One is that it's a secret in the general sense that it's, you know, it's hard for to really wrap our minds around, you know, re reconciling those two facts, like in a, in a purely scientific philosophical way, you know, that's very difficult. Uh, but it's also a secret in its details, you know. So why did Allah decree that thing? Why did that earthquake happen? Why did why did COVID happen? Yeah. You know, um, only Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows why. Really knows why He decreed those things. Uh, but we, we as people of faith, we believe that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala did those things, decreed those things out of His wisdom, and that for the believers, it's good, and, and that for the people that reject Him, it's you know, you know, it's a further source of of punishment for that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so that, that, you know, it is a mystery. And, and this is why um, there's a hadith and the hadith is Hassan that uh, the, so it's not at full authenticity, but it's, it's good enough to narrate um, the, that the companions were arguing amongst themselves oh, yes. uh, about the issue of Qadr, right? And in the, uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he came out with them and he said, Abihada umirtukum. He said, is, it, is, it, is this what I commanded you to do? Or is this what I was sent for you to do? Um, and so, you know, the, his face would get red when he was angry and he wanted to make a point. So he, he you know, told them to stop arguing about this thing. Um, and so, and then in another hadith, um, uh, which I believe is authentic. Uh, he said that when the Qadr is mentioned, you have to be restrained. Tamsiku. So it means like to hold back, you know, so uh, you, you don't go into it in discussing the details and imagine that, you know, the mind of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why did he decree this? And why did he do that? And, you know, he, only Allah really knows those things. And we just only know about them in this very general sense, because we know that about the nature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, but it is something that when we are discussing it, we have to really watch our boundaries and not yes. you know, overstep our limits. I like, uh, that. I like the way you put it, watch our boundaries. Another way, there's another bit of a cliche now, is, is know your pay grade. You know, these things are above our pay grade. So <laughs> know, your, yeah. know your limitations. And that's not like an individual thing. This is for our species as a human, human species. Know our limits. Well, there, are, there are things beyond which we cannot go because we we're not able to at least presumably in the in the next life in the akira many of the the truths of these things might become more um uh, comprehensible but certainly now they're not mm -hmm. so uh it's not just humility it's patience and, and knowing our limits limitations um as you say exactly um and there's another story that i i feel is illustrative uh, to help us understand how the companions understood this concept. Um, it's a story, it's in Sahih Bukhari, so it's authentic, uh, that Umar ibn al-Khattab, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, you know, he was the Khalifa, so he was, the, he was leading the troops and he went to uh, Sham, which is like modern-day Syria, around that part. And when he got there, there was a plague uh, and they, they knew about diseases. And so he went back, he was going back. 
uh, one of the companions, he said to him, are you fleeing from the decree of Allah? And then Umar was kind of a, not happy with that response. And he said, Naam, we are fleeing. Yes, we are fleeing from the decree of Allah to the decree, to the decree of, Allah. of Allah. Yes, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I do too. So, you know, uh, if, if they had stayed uh, there and got sick, that would have been the decree of Allah. And if they left back and, mm. you know, were safe, that was also the decree of Allah. So mm. Allah decreed for them on the basis of their actions. And so if their actions were doing one thing and leading to one result, that was what Allah decreed for them. And if their actions were doing another thing leading to another result, that is what Allah decreed for them. So the central issue here is that we do have free will. And I mean, limited free will, mm. you know, our, our will, free will is limited um, by what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to do uh, and that we have to act, right? We can't sit by and, um, you know, wait, wait for things to happen. We have to go out and work. Uh, and this is like a, a parable uh, that the uh, Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said uh, that if you trusted in Allah as is his right, or if you did it at the way that he deserved, you would be like the birds. They go out in the morning and then they come back with their full bellies, right? So they don't store up any food, mm. right? Uh, but they go out and work. They don't sit in their nests waiting for the food to come, right? They have to go out and they... They trust that if they go out and work for it, Allah will give them, uh, you know, will decree for them that they will get that, mm. get the food that they need, right? Um, so that's kind of the, the the parable about the attitude that we should have, you know, is that you got to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will decree the results based on our actions. And so we have to act. We have, we, we have to use our free will to do good to go out and to work and, and the, you follow the SBAB is what they say. SBAB means the causes or the means. So you have to go out and find the means. So if you're sick, you have to go to the doctor, right? Because uh, those are the means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those are the means through which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees, you know, your health and, and your recoveries because you go to the doctor and you get the medicine you need and so on. Um, so yeah, that, uh, Okay. That's, that's the summary right that's there. Well, thank you. And um, the article that we're referring to uh, by yourself is called Reconciling the Divine Decree and Free Will in Islam. And as a link is in the description uh, below, uh, below, I do recommend it for a more uh, fuller exposition of this with some of the, uh, the references and the critical apparatus and the recommended reading uh, in that. So, well, thank you very much indeed, um, Justin, for uh, giving us your time uh, to uh, talk about this extraordinary, uh, extraordinarily interesting subject. And you mentioned one book, which Thank I would you. have, which is this one. Um, yes. So you can uh, get that as well. It's quite a quite a thick one, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> published by the Islamic Tech Society here in uh, Cambridge in England, anyway. Um, so uh, thank you very much. Are, are you? I'm always ask guests this. I love to ask this. Are, are you working on anything at the moment? Uh, any any work in books or papers that we might see in the future? Yeah, um, I have a, a, a an article that is in the works for Yapin Institute right now, um, and it's on uh, a statement that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said: "The scholars are the inheritors of the prophets." Mm -hmm. And so, it's basically an exposition of what what does that mean, 
Um, you know, why scholarship is important, knowledge is important, um, both classical and contemporary scholars. This is something that I learned as I was a student, you know, because we want to have, we want to go to the classical scholars because we want to be embedded in the tradition and the continuity of it. And the closer you get to the Prophet, you know, you feel like you're closer to him. Mm. The earlier back the scholars are, but at the same time, you know, we do need contemporary scholars because they can understand and articulate things in ways that are more intelligible to us. You know, it, it, it is very challenging mm. to read classical texts and you need to consult experts to decode what these texts mean, you know, because, you know, even there's different kind of dialects of Arabic that, you know, different uh, scholars wrote in, you know, Al-Ghazali's writing is very different from Ibn al-Jawzi's writing. Um, you'll notice that. Uh, if you read those. So, um, yeah, so I'm working on that uh, paper. Um, uh, when can we expect that to be published, you think? Oh, it's very early in the life cycle. So <laughs> okay. We'll probably, yeah, it just got approved maybe last week. All right. So, you know, it'll probably be a few months. Um, but I'm also doing, uh, re- I'm researching um, mindfulness in Islam and um, trying to uh, draw connections between, you know, the modern psychology of mindfulness and then the traditional Islamic spirituality, uh, sometimes called tasawwuf, but that's a contested term. Yeah. Uh, but basically through the readings of Al-Ghazali and Ibn al-Qayyim and Ibn al-Jawzi um, uh, and other scholars like that, you know, they wrote about the science of the heart yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm, and so I, I even like... Ibn Taymiyyah did as well. I mean, this is not a, you know, he, yeah. he, he wrote extensively on that. I have some of his uh, books in English about that same subject. So, exactly. Yeah. Actually, in the in his uh, the great compendium of his fatawa, Majmu al Fatawa, he uh, I think book eleven is entirely entirely on ilm as suluk, right, or the science of the spiritual wayfaring. Uh, which is all about the sciences of the heart and the deeds of the heart. So, yeah. you know, he wrote a lot about that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, of course, another thing you, you do prolifically, and I, I follow as well, is you, you you translate hadith, and you have a whole website, a database, really, of uh, hadith, which are in English and in Arabic, uh, and with very uh, illuminating kind of titles and classifications as well, which speak directly to our modern situation. Um, so it, that's an ongoing work, isn't it? It's not just a, a database you created in the past. Oh yeah, uh, I I uh, I set the website up in 2010, and I've been working on it until wow. now. Um, how, how can we now. find it? Yeah, it's an amazing. How can we find it? What's it called? And what's the? Um... Uh, if if you Google daily hadith online, mm-hmm. um, it'll come up. Uh, or if you get my website is abuaminayilias.com and slash daily hadith online. That's the URL. Uh, and, but there's a link at the top there. So, uh, but I, I, you know, Google daily Hadith online, it'll come up and the, it's a funny story. The reason I picked daily Hadith online, because mm-hmm. I was, this was 2010. I was a college student. I was, you know, and I was not wealthy and I wanted daily Hadith.com. Right. Wow. And that, and that somebody parked that for like $3,000. Uh, so they suggested daily Hadith online for $10. Ah. And that's <laughs> what it's been. So, you know. Uh, alhamdulillah yeah 
Yeah, um, it's, it's an amazing resource. I, I do strongly recommend it to, to to viewers. If you don't already know it, you probably probably do. Uh, is is to visit that and, and just swim around it. There's lots of fascinating um, hadith, and I so say they're classified in very interesting ways as well to to make a- access even easier. So. Well, thank you very yeah. much indeed, uh, uh, Justin uh, Parrot, for your, your uh, valuable time. And um, we'll we, we continue to watch your work with interest and look forward to reading the Akeen um, paper when it comes out soon, hopefully. Inshallah. I hope so, too. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure to speak with you and uh, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our our uh, our meeting and you know anything i said that was incorrect is from myself and anything i said that was correct is from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam i always want to give that disclaimer uh and that allah knows best and uh we seek uh, peace and blessings upon muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam thank you so much thank you Tim. until next time goodbye as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.